The Small Queendom Podcast, episode 16. Hey friend, thanks for coming back again, and thank you for all the new listeners that are joining us for the Small Queendom Podcast. I am Leah Graham. I just hit my chest. I don't know if you could hear that. (laughs) I'm very animated here. If you could see the, uh, what it looks like, the scene in my office as I'm doing these episodes, my hands are waving around. I kind of look like a (laughs) very animated person. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in again to episode 16. Before we get to the episode, I wanted to go over a couple things with you. I've got a couple announcements. Uh, First off, we're going to do review of the week, and this is by Lindo Live. And this review says, I love the positive you can do it feel of this podcast. Interesting content, and hope there are many more episodes. Thank you so much for leaving that. I appreciate it so much. And just a little nudge for you, dear listener, if you have not yet left me a review and rating on iTunes, I would ask that you would just take, you know, 15 seconds right now. It helps me so, so incredibly much. And the next thing I wanted to tell you is that I am going to my company's convention this next week, so I will be taking a week hiatus. I will be back in two weeks. I just want to practice what I preach and put down busyness while I was looking at my schedule and everything I needed to prepare in order to leave for many days. I realized, you know what? I'm not going to stress myself out. I want to always bring you the best content and and the best me. So I'm just going to take one little week off. If you've missed any episodes, it's just a great time to go back in time. And hey, while you are listening to the Small Queen of Podcast, after you've rated and reviewed, hint, hint, I'm winking at you, you just can't see it. If you um, want to share this, uh, your screenshot of you listening to the podcast, um, on Instagram and tag me at Small Queendom. I will reshare and you'll get some exposure and it will let people know that folks are tuning in. So woohoo, here we go. All right, the next thing I want to do is I want to introduce my wonderful guest and friend for today. Her name is Heather Patnod and she is from the Illinois area. And Heather is a true Force. She is an activator, which means she gets stuff done, and she is an awesome communicator. I think you'll find that our conversation just flows so well. And what the heck are we talking about? We're talking about marriage. Now, I know that we have a lot of listeners that are not married, so hang with me, friend, uh, because I think it's really important to be able to have a seat at the table if if. Possibly the idea of getting married at some point in your life could be in your future, then I think it's really great to talk to other people who are married. So, even though this might not be exactly your season of life, I think you will find some good stuff out of it. We talk communication, we talk how to jive with each other's strengths, and just really focus on what the other does best 
and we totally go there. We talk about sex. So it's, it's refreshing. It's honest. I hope it starts a conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And if you can think of someone who needs to listen to this, share the episode and you know, we'll just help more people. All right, let's get to Heather. Hey, Heather, welcome to my podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for asking me to be on here, Leah. Oh my gosh. Anytime to chat with you. I love it. Awesome. How's uh, back to school going for you and the boys? Yes. Day one, back to school, homeschool mom. Actually, it was a really good day. We did not have tears. So that's a good first day. (laughs) (laughs) I would think so. What grades are the boys in this year? I have a fourth grader, a seventh grader, and an eighth grader. Wow. We're edging closer to high school. (sighs) Yes. One more year to high school. I seriously, it's hard to believe it's gone so quick. We've homeschooled for nine years and we have nine years left. So we're halfway done. Oh my goodness. What is your favorite thing about homeschooling? Uh, The freedom of our schedule. I love that we can vacation when we want, take field trips when we want, we plan our life according to what we want to do versus, okay, we've got to pull them out of school or have a school calendar that dictates what we do. And just to be clear to your listeners, if our sons ever felt that they wanted to go to public school or private school, we would investigate it. We're not the, you have to homeschool, but all of them love the freedom of our schedule that comes from homeschooling. Absolutely. Do they have uh, particular subjects or things they love to really hone in on and are kind of their their shtick? Sure enough. Just like each one of us, they each have their own strengths and gifts and talents that they love to cultivate through homeschooling. So our oldest is an artist all the way through Mm -hmm. and through. He's a squiggle. He's a squirrel, completely opposite from his mother. And uh, our middle one really is interested in engineering. So a lot of the things he looks at is is what field of engineering he wants to go into. Mm-hmm. Then our youngest wants to be a police officer with a canine unit. He just wants a big, great Dane or great uh, German shepherd uh, dog and be a police officer. So, Oh, that's awesome. That is so sweet. Well, Heather, I am so grateful that you are on the podcast with me today. And when I think about people in my life that I kind of look up to as, you know, uh, older sister, especially in the Lord, or just, you know, the kind of person that I know I can reach out to with different things. Like you're definitely one of those people. And I, I love, um, how you are so encouraging for women, young women, especially, you know, who are in the dating scene or single or, you know, newly married or, you know, in the thick of marriage, just like, you're just such a wise voice along that. And I really wanted you to come on and talk about the wonderfulness that is marriage with me. Yeah, It's always been so uh, such a passion of mine. Even when I was single in those single years, I got married at 28, almost 29. John, my husband was 31, almost 32. So we were not young uh, married couple. We did not get married in our early twenties. So even the season of waiting to get married and waiting for John um, and just the, the gift that marriage has been to us has led us to being very intentional to want to encourage other marriages along the way to have fabulous marriages. That is beautiful. Is that something that you 
really were intentional about? Or did you kind of just kind of stumble into the idea that I am passionate about marriages and I want to help other marriages like be awesome? Like, how did that come about? So in 2011, we hosted a marriage weekend retreat at our church and it was sort of a, um, all the material was created for you. You just were the host of it. So in, I remember that weekend feeling the connection to John and doing this kind of work together. At that point, we had only been married, uh, you know, nine, eight or nine years, but it was the first time we ever really worked on a project together and we loved it. We realized that it was something that we both thrived in. We both loved encouraging other marriages um, because we feel so satisfied and so alive in our marriage, even 15 years down the road, we still are passionate about cultivating a great marriage. And so that weekend We were like, what should we do with this? What should we do with this desire? And we, of course, had all these ideas and the activator and me wanted to do them like, you know, within 24 hours. Um, And his developer was developing ideas. And what we came to was we started um, a Sunday morning Bible study class at our church for young newlyweds. That is continued to go. We still have it. We still have the class. Of course, a lot of our newlyweds now have been married seven years. And they're still involved, but we've morphed kind of into a family and marriage class. And so it, that is really where we have cultivated an even deeper desire. And it just seems like people people are brought into our path. You know, I feel like lives get woven together for a reason. And so we've walked with couples through infidelity and porn addiction and infertility um, and a host of other topics. We've watched couples that we've worked with go through divorce, and I've been at the courthouse with them holding their hand. And so it's just been something that over the years, we have walked closely with other married couples. I have one girlfriend who said, I know that if I have a marriage issue and I text Heather, she's not just going to take my side. Like she's going to give me really good advice to get me back on track, you know? And so we've, we've just sort of put it ourselves open-handed. How should we serve other married couples? And that's what we've been doing since 2011. Mm, That's beautiful. You know, Adam and I have only been married for, let's see, six years and we have two children, you know, there's, there's been a lot of life in those six years, but I feel like we're still so new at it. And I just feel like there's so much figuring it out and bumps in the road. And, you know, to be honest, like it's, it's hard to look around and find a good example of a really vibrant marriage. Um, You know, we can kind of think in our head before we get married, like, what do I want marriage to look like? But then you actually get married and reality sets in and it's nothing like you thought, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So what do you think are like, let's just start with basics here. Like, what do you think brings a lot of satisfaction and just vibrancy to a great marriage? Just, you know, from your experience and just from what you see and you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. And you have to know I'm coming from a place of faith. And so um, that really, to me, filters out what I do. But I feel like there's definitely, first of all, a commitment that is huge in marriages to know the word divorce is not in your vocabulary, that you are there and you are committed one to each other. And then the next would be communication. And I don't mean the ability to communicate what you want to have for dinner or you know, what gifts you want for your anniversary, but that ability to communicate with one another 
on those tough topics, those, those deep hearted, challenging things. And marriage has a way of surfacing those things that Mm -hmm. has a way kids have a way of bringing it out, but marriage has a way of sifting out some of those things that are difficult to talk about. And I feel like there's, uh, John and I came from polar opposites. Uh, I call stuffers and talkers. Uh, We're going to do an episode on this in our new marriage platform, but stuffers are the ones who you know, the rug gets picked up, things get swept, you put it down. Um, My family, we over-communicate. We talk about everything and we're in each other's faces. So John and I learned how to communicate and bring those two worlds together. When is it appropriate to not have a conversation? When When are some things, when are things better left unsaid? And then when is it important then when you're uncomfortable about a topic, but still willing to have a conversation about it? And so I feel like Commitment, communication, then finally for us, Christ and our faith aspect and and having that cornerstone has been the, you know, our identity and who we are in Christ has been the biggest factor for us both in our marriage. Mm, Thank you. That's beautiful. I love that you talked about uh, stuffers because I've definitely relate to that. Like, Oh, let's, you know, I'm not going to deal with that. You know how, let's talk about that a little bit. When you find a topic that is the sensitive topic that needs to be communicated through, maybe there is, or is not strong feelings, or maybe it's just something super vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like how do you, you know, lay, lay it out there and, and communicate effectively, whether it's, you know, past issues or whether it's money or whether it's a disagreement about the future, like how do you get to a place where you can truly like hash it out? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing John has taught me and I wish he was here, but he's at work. But one thing he has taught me is about the timing and the process that goes along with conversations. I think because I grew up in an environment where we just talked about stuff right away all the time, I have no problem sort of just kind of verbally vomiting on him at times and learning that for him, he needs to process. He needs to figure out what he's thinking before he comes to the table and shares it with me. So learning to give him space in that, but for him also to be willing to say, I'm willing to communicate these things and talk to you about these difficult things. I think on the receiving end of that, so let's say your spouse is going to share something with you that's a challenge or a tough topic. Um, I think one thing we've learned is that you don't need to respond how you feel in that very moment. Oftentimes we need to pause and, and even give ourselves some space before we respond. We call it the cooling off period. It can happen when you're in an argument. It also can happen when you're just sharing something. So not jumping to conclusions, asking a lot of good clarifying questions, getting to the bottom of it. Um, and I would say that for John and I, that it has been something, the, probably the biggest thing we've learned in our marriage is how to properly communicate and effectively communicate and love and respect each other in the process of communication. Um, And it's taken, there have been things, and I know John would share this if he was here, there were things he shared with me well into our marriage um, that were difficult topics and conversations. So it was for him a process of learning how to uncover what needed to be shared and how it needed to be shared. And then me responding with, that love and respect that is needed in those types of conversations. Uh, So let's say something has come up or maybe I'm thinking of something, you know, 
if I need to talk to Adam about something that is more of a, a, a bigger topic, do you usually say like, instead of saying, okay, we need to talk about this right now. Do you say, Hey, would there be a time? Like, do you schedule the talk? We like, have. Okay. Yeah, do you give have. them like a teaser? Like, this is what I want to broach. Like, what do you do with that? Definitely. I think one thing in communication now, let me just talk where you are. Seven years married, six, six years, mm-hmm. two kids, lots of pressures, work, a lot of things going on in your life. It is easy to not think about those conversations and plan them. It's easy just to be like, I'm in the moment. I feel this. Let's just get this out because our kids are crying and this needs to happen. And that needs to happen. One thing that I feel has been helpful for us is to create an environment where that conversation can happen, where it is neither one of us are pressed for, for time, for our attention, for the kids don't need us. Um, So we've been able to create those types of things, those types of moments and atmospheres to cultivate those types of conversations. And it does take intentionality to not just want to be like, let's just get this out. Like it takes intentionality to create an environment, create the time that you need to have a conversation like that. And sometimes we have to be okay with saying, I know we're not going to dig through all of this in this one conversation. So let's be intentional to create moments in our marriage to have these types of conversations regularly. Um, And it can be a challenge, especially when you have got little kids and you're pressed in for so many different demands. But we have tried to learn to really create it, create that environment, create the time, create the space to have those crucial conversations. That's awesome. I'm just going to dig into this even more. So when you're having, you know, you having a regular time when you're able to get into deep discussion, because like for us, especially something will come up, we will start to talk about it. And then boom, the children are crying. Someone's got to get somewhere we're interrupted. Mm -hmm. And it feels like sometimes at night, once we get the children to bed, it's you're so exhausted from the Mm day. Like I can't even think, you know, I can't hardly think of what that is on the schedule the next day, much less get into deep conversation. So is this a time where you would talk about this, like on a date night or where you would just say, we're getting the kids in bed early so we can have time. I do. When we had littler kids, it was obviously a little bit more of a challenge. Um, Now that our kids are older, we can escape away in the house and have conversations without them needing us. But when they were little, I know for us, one important thing was nap time and also nap time on John's days off. And then also early to bed occasionally where they went to bed and we'd shut our electronics off or we'd shut off the TV. And then we would say this, this is our date night. Like we can't get out. We've got two little, two little kids, three little kids. So we're just going to shut the world out as soon as our kids go to bed. Um, And I know for us, date nights have always been important and date nights don't mean we go out for dinner. Sometimes we go to Menards, you know, sometimes we go to to Costco, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a date night, but those times that we get, now I will tell you one thing we did early on in parenting was the first time we ever left our oldest son home alone for a babysitter, we got in the car and we said, let's try not to talk about him. Mm Mm-hmm which is very difficult for parents to not talk about their children oh, yes. when they get together, especially he was a brand, you know, he's a baby. And we have tried when we are alone, 
we try to not talk about our children. We try to talk about other things. Now, sometimes we need to hash out important discussions about our kids now as they get older, but we try very hard to keep our time alone on adult conversations, marriage conversations, topics we know we need to address. And to be honest, the way I lo- I'm a communicator, I love to communicate. It's one of my strengths. And learning to be able to put pause on some conversations that I want to have and wait for John to be ready to have those conversations has been something that I have had to learn in marriage. Mm, so there's, there's, there are some patience, some trust, and just some um, the ability to just let it lie for a little bit. Yes, I've had to do that on multiple occasions. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about uh, running a business while while you were married because a lot of my listeners have a business in one form or fashion. You know, we, you know, nowadays a lot of people have a side hustle. A lot of people are working from home. Mm -hmm. Like I know for a while you were a stay-at-home mama homeschooling your children. And then all of a sudden you hit the ground running with your business and have been extremely successful. Can you talk to us about um, some of the, the dynamics of working through being a business owner while you're married? Yeah. Well, what's a lot of people don't realize is my husband also is a business owner. So he mm-hmm. owns his own chiropractic practice And so for a long time, we only had that one business. Now we have two businesses in our home that we run and we're launching a marriage YouTube channel. So we have all this stuff in the hopper. Um, I would say that when I look back at my life before my business started, it was very simple and I didn't realize how much time I had on my hands. Right. (laughs) Um, Because I was a stay-at-home mom. That was something we decided early on in our marriage was that was important for us. So we prioritized the ability for me to be able to stay home. And so I look back now and realize the things, the time that I wasted that I could have been so much more productive, but I didn't realize how much time I had. Um, One of the biggest changes for us was just coordinating our schedules together. And actually earlier this year, it sort of reached this boiling point where we said, okay, something has to change. Like we have, we have to change something. And so we were looking um, at doing some things in our life to change, to give us more time because he was, John was feeling like my business was getting more attention and quicker attention. And uh, then I was giving to him and I would never want my husband to feel that way. And so to be able to sort of rearrange in my head how things needed to happen, what priorities were important, have changed how we run our business, how we run our businesses, you know, both of them, and then just where we're headed in the future together as a couple to make sure that our marriage stays as a top priority in, in what we do in our, in our life. I think sometimes when someone starts something new, like a business, they tell themselves a story that things don't have to change. I can, I can, you know, find the little spaces of time and that, but then they feel like they have to excuse the time that they're putting into their new business. But what, what kind of, what kind of time shift and change was that for you? Was that just communicating like, okay, I need to be able to work at this time and at this time, and then I'll be free. Or has that been hard for you to kind of time block instead of working all day nonstop? It's hard for me not to work all day. I love what I do. I love the work that I get to do, the people that I get to work with. And so I would say for a good 
couple of years, it was pretty much on constantly where I did not take breaks. Um, John was extremely supportive of my business and always has been. And so that has always been a huge support for me. There was one time though, where I went out to work and I forgot to tell him where I left the kids that he had to pick up the kids at my friend's house. Oh no! So I'm in the middle of working and I get these text messages. Where are the boys? I need to go get the boys. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't even believe I forgot to tell him where our kids are for him to go pick up after work. So it, it has been, I would say in the last nine to 12 months that we have created some really good boundaries with work as far as, um, you know, when you work from home, it's hard to have boundaries because work is Mm -hmm. home. So creating an office space, um, creating, you know, weekends are ours. We try to avoid, you know, especially on Sundays, we try to, we try to stay off work things, um, until Sunday nights. Uh, so we've tried to create time for that, but I, again, that's why earlier this year, John was like, okay, we need to work together because it's the best way to get your attention and time. (laughs) (laughs) And so it has been so fun creating, uh, a new marriage platform with him because it marries all of our passions into one thing. You know, we Mm -hmm. love spending time together. We love encouraging marriages. And now we're just sort of going to launch into do that in a bigger platform. Go ahead and tell us about that. So earlier this year, we were sort of, again, wanting to spend time together, wanting to do something together, but we don't, didn't really want to start another business. Like we didn't want to create a new business. And so working with our new business coach, she saw John on a zoom chat and she said, this guy needs to be on a camera. He's hilarious. The chemistry you two have together, it comes alive when you're on video. So you two need to start a YouTube channel. And we were like, what are you? No. I mean, like who goes out and says, we're going to start a YouTube channel. Well, as we got talking, we realized, you know, why does it have to be something about our businesses? Why does it have to be about running a business? What are we passionate about together? And what we're passionate about together is marriage and our marriage and encouraging other people's marriages. And so we started delving into starting a YouTube channel. It launched on September 5th. It's called Your Marriage Mosaic. And the premise is that marriage is filled with thousands of moments and one bad marriage, one bad moment does not make a bad marriage. One good moment does not make a good marriage. It's all the moments together that create the picture of your marriage. And so our goal is weekly YouTube videos that focus on a small aspect of marriage, a small moment that you can create. So we're hoping to inspire couples in the busy seasons, like you and Adam, where you've got kids, you've got pressures, you've got demands to say, oh, I can do this one small thing this week for my marriage that's going to create a beautiful marriage moment that creates this mosaic of the marriage that I desire. And if we are in these seasons, John and I call them the pressure cooker seasons, you know, a pressure cooker. And if you have an old one, Everyone has Instapots now, but the old ones where the, you know, the lid starts to rattle and shake, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's what it feels like when you have maybe aging parents and, and stress from your kids' school schedules and demands that come on you and marriage gets squeezed out and intentional moments with your spouse get squeezed out. And so we're hoping for, 
for us to just be able to inspire small moments, you know, not fire hose you, not try to bulldoze with like, these are the 18 million things you need to do to have a better marriage or to, to be more satisfied in marriage. But here are small snippets of things you can do today to create a better marriage moment. I love that vision so much. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to tune into that, Heather. How awesome. What are some, what are some of your favorite marriage moments? Some of my favorite moments are ones that normally catch me off guard because I tend to be a planner and always two steps ahead and I run ahead of John way too, way too much. I get myself in trouble. Um, and so the mo- my favorite moments are when I see my strengths and gifts and his strengths and gifts perfectly blended. So this is going to sound so silly. We went to a wedding reception last weekend and I saw the, uh, the mother of the groom starting to cut the cake. And I was like, oh, she shouldn't do that because I grew up, I catered weddings with my mom. I know how to cut a wedding cake. So the activator in me was like, let's go cut the wedding cake. And John just, he laughed at me. He's like, there she goes. There's my activator. Well, it was a cake with this fondant and it was really hard to cut. And I was just struggling trying to cut through this fondant. And so he developed, because developer is his number one strength. He went and got a better knife in this whole system. And I said, you know, honey, that's what I love about working with you. I'll activate something or I'll put something in motion and then you develop it in such a way that makes it so much smoother. So when we give space in our marriage to shine in what we're good at, we work so much better together. And that's what I've loved about starting this YouTube channel is that we see how our gifts and strengths are so different. We are two completely different people. But when we work together, those are just magnified. And the picture that it paints is so much better than if I just would have tried to cut that cake alone. I can completely see that scene unfolding. (laughs) Now, we were talking about communication earlier. Is that something that you actually verbalized to John in that moment? You know, honey, I loved that you came over here. And do you actually call out those things or are you just thinking them? Actually, when we got in the car that night, um, on the, cause we left shortly after we cut, we helped cut the cake and it was a big project. It was a big cake and it had a lot of fondant frosting and we were up to our hands and red and blue frosting. And they had like a, a superhero cake, wedding cake. Um, that was why it was red and blue. And oh so my goodness, how funny. I, I said to him, I said, that was our strengths in action right there. I activated it and you developed it. And that's what I love about being married to you. And so, no, I would verbalize it in that moment. Um, I think because we understand our own strengths so well, we can see them come to play. And we also give space. I could have said, no, I'm cutting it the way I want to cut it. And I've activated this and I'm, you know, this is the way it needs to be. But what I have learned over 15 years of marriage is that when I let John come in, and, and make something better. He always makes it look better. If I write an email, I send it to him first and say, will you check this over before? Cause he'll make it sound so much better or in work or in our YouTube channel or with our children. We've both learned that I'm the activator. I will put wind in the sails, but he needs to come along and make it. He, he develops it into such a much better thing than I could have done on my own. I love that. Heather, I've not been able to tell my listeners very much about the strengths. Would Mm -hmm. you like to introduce that idea of strengths and, um, and tell us yours and then explain how knowing that has really brought some fullness to your marriage? 
Right. Well, this is the Clifton Strength Finders test that Leah and I both are pretty familiar with. And it's through Gallup. And you can take a test. It takes about what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to take mm-hmm. your yep. strengths test. And you'll get your top five strengths. And you the top five strengths and the top five order that you have them, I think it's one in every 33 million people have those five strengths in that particular order. And so what you learn about your strengths is that you, you learn to grow in those, learn about them as I've learned about my strengths. And my top five are activator, responsibility, communication, relator, and strategic. And so, um, I love to activate things, responsibility. I do what I say I'm going to do. I'll follow up. I love communication, obviously. Um, the relator in me, I love deep relationships. I don't need a, I don't need 17 zillion relationships. I want 17 deep relationships. Me too. And the, the strategic part of me is the business part of me that I see. Um, I have one part of my strengths that is relational and that's my relator. And John has four. He's got his top four are all relationship strengths. Um, Developer, developer, uh, I think he has empathy. Uh, Empathy is number 34 on me. So (laughs) what you learn in your top five strengths is how to press into those in such a way that you allow them to grow. And people who use their strengths statistically are happier people because they're actually doing what they're good at doing. It doesn't mean that I don't try to do things outside of my strengths. It just means, okay, so empathy is low for me. It's high for John. If we have an empathetic situation, I allow him to take the lead versus me feeling like I need to go in here and bust it out with my activator. So it's, it's learning this way to work and move in your strengths in such a powerful way that you both feel like the best of who you are comes to the table. Oh, so well done explaining that. I think, I think that is exactly how I feel too. Like knowing what Adam's strengths are and knowing what my strengths are, it gives me like a really strong permission slip to let go and like let him, if it's in his strengths, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So like Adam's is a learner intellection input relator and maximizer. Mm-hmm. And so he is so good at bringing in all the, the important information, synthesizing it, and then, you know, bringing the most out of a situation. And then my strengths are strategic ideation, relator, developer adaptability. So I kind of bring in that relationship, you know, aspect, but I also have a lot of strategic ideas. So You know, for me, I've been able to say, you know what, I'm going to let your maximizer take over this because I need that because I can't do it, you know? Right. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about marriage is that when you are allowed to grow, continue growing as a person in your marriage, I guess that would be a tip I would have. Never stop growing as a person. A marriage should make you a better version of who you were before. Mm. I look at who I was before I married John. I look at who John was and we both are like, we are better people for knowing each other. We're better people for being married to each other. And so never stop growing and developing and things like understanding your strengths, understand your personality, understanding if he's, you know, an extrovert and you're an introvert. Understanding those things gives you a deeper, richer connection in your marriage 
because you give each other space and permission to be who they have been created to be Mm. instead of trying to change them. Like John will never, the, the, the area next to his bed, we call it the pit. I think every married (laughs) couple has one. Sometimes it's the wife and sometimes it's the husband. He will never not have a pit, right? (laughs) So I can be annoyed. If I went in there right now, I would find all his clothes and trash. He cleans it up, thankfully, once a week for me. But that pit has been that pit since for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So I can choose to be upset about it and harp on him and make fun of him and be annoyed. But it's his pit and it's his choice to climb over clothes every night when I get in bed. And I think in marriage, we often get so hung up on stuff like that. Okay. That's just who Mm -hmm. he is. I'm not going to change it, but I look at his character and I look at his wisdom and his integrity and his dedication and his commitment and his love and his respect. Those areas have grown and changed. So Mm -hmm. I'll deal with the pit because who he is as a man has become so much fuller and richer and satisfying as a wife. And I think, why get hung up on that? It's just, it's just clothes. It can get picked up in five minutes and I don't ever pick it up. I will tell you, I never, about 10 years ago, I said, I will never clean this. So if you run out of underwear, it's because it's in the pit. (laughs) Well, and I think that anything that you would point out that is frustrating to you about your spouse, they could easily you know, pick out three things that frustrate them. So let's just not play that game, right? Easy, easy, right. So that's why we don't, I I let him have it. He knows it, but I don't even look at it. It's in the corner. I don't look at it. (laughs) Totally. All right, Heather. So we're totally going to go there. Let's talk about have a satisfying sex life when you're married. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go there, girl. You know it. I know it. I know you will. That's why I'm talking to you about it. You know, I was raised in the church. And I feel like I didn't hear two words about sex from my life in the church. And then unfortunately, what I did learn from people around me was it was, you know, a very negative thing, a very shame worthy. There is guilt around it. And so, you know, it has taken a mindset shift and a lot of growth. But, you know, how how do we intentionally create a very satisfying sex life in our marriage? Yeah. Well, of course I knew you'd go there, right? Cause <laughs> of <marriage>. course <laughs> we are starting a marriage platform and we will top, we will cover this topic in our, in our YouTube channel. We've decided though, to start with the light, easy topics though. And yeah. we'll <laughs> the next topic. not jump into the deep end completely head first, not right, not right away. Um, but I think for one thing for John and I is again, it goes back to communication and men and women generally have different needs in this area. And John and I have made our sex life a priority. Hmm. So because he's a developer, he's always developing new ideas, new things, new, um, just new ways to just go for it. Just say it. (laughs) He's always thinking of new ways to make sex better. Always. Okay. He always Mm -hmm. has for 15 years. Not get in a rut. We are not in a rut. We never get in a rut. Um, and I love, one thing I love about that is that it it does create a sense of there's always something fresh and new coming. And I would say our sex life has gotten better as we hit the decade mark. And as we've gotten, I mean, it just gets better, like fine wine. Mm -hmm. It, Mm -hmm. It does. But when our kids were little, we scheduled sex. It was always something that we'd say, okay, 
I know that, you know, it's been a little bit of time. We're going to put it on the schedule. Um, another thing that we would do is I would say, I need, I need a moment to go from mother to lover. Okay. Mm. So what I would do is I, I moms, we get pot at all day and the, it's so hard for us to shift. Then our husbands want us to shift very quickly into lover. So the kids are in bed. We just got done being touched. We get in bed and all of a sudden you get the look, right? And you're like, okay, I'm still in mother mode. So we totally. learned when our kids were little, I would say, I need to, sh- I need to take some time and shift from mother to lover, whether it was taking a shower. I mean, I, maybe I hadn't showered all day, but we would shift. I would get, take some time to shift. Um, again, putting the kids to bed early and going right to bed ourselves. We would do that some nights as well. We still do that because our kids stay up later now. So we still sometimes just go to bed with them. Another really fun way that we have incorporated keeping our sex life fun is through text messaging. And Mm -hmm. I will drop John a text message when he least expects it. Uh, (laughs) We love emojis. That's our favorite thing to communicate kind of our desire. But when you think about sex throughout the day, when you intentionally think, okay, tonight we're going to be physical together. We're going to create a moment in our marriage to, to sexually connect with each other. And you are planning for it and preparing for it. At least for me, it always made it more enjoyable where I was like thinking about it more than just like, okay, I've been, you know, I've got stains of sweet potatoes on me and now you want me to be romantic Heather. Um, and as we've grown in our marriage, continuing to carve out time, it's, it is, it's always something that's a priority. I feel like, and I've read this in a book somewhere and I don't know where, but your sex life is not the thermostat. You don't turn up your marriage by having a better sex life. Your sex life is the thermostat it sh- or the um, mm. thermometer. So mm-hmm. it shows you what kind of marriage you have. And, you know, there are people who are uncomfortable with their bodies or they're uncomfortable stress. And so it keeps them separated from having a really healthy sex life. Um, Sometimes pornography gets in the way where Mm -hmm. your husband or wife has a, has an addiction to pornography or desires to, you know, to read or be pleasured by other things other than your marriage. Um, That was one thing. And I'm going to go there. We decided early on in our marriage that we would Mm -hmm. never we would never do anything outside of being together would mm-hmm. always be together, whether whatever it was, we were together in it. Um, and so that has been a huge factor for us in our marriage. And I always tell my young newlywed couples, John and I should not be outpacing you as, <laughs> as a you know 40 something, slightly overweight, married couple. We should not be outpacing newlyweds. And sometimes we do when we sit down and talk to them. We do. And what you said is so true. This mindset of like, if we, if you grew up with a faith background, you know, sex is bad. Mm -hmm. And so one thing we tell our kids all the time, sex is amazing in the context of marriage. That's how we feel is that sex has been amazing in the context of marriage. Um, And John and I were both virgins on our wedding night. And so we stumbled along learning together from day one. It was something we've only experience with each other. And so it's been just fun to continue to explore that aspect of our marriage, but it does get better. It does. We always tell newlyweds, we're like, trust me, you think it's good. It only gets better. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. So many things to talk about right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, you know, I think one problem might be that maybe some couples come up with is 
No, there is this image of like what that sexy woman looks like, acts like, what sex is, you know, because we've seen the movies that we're supposed to be fast forwarding through, right? Like, oh my gosh. Um, And like, that's not reality. That's like Hollywood. Like that is not real sex. It's not. And it's not satisfying sex. No. And so I think that maybe there's like a fear, like if I try something that I'm not good at, then I'm going to be, you know, like I'm going to fail at it or it's going to be awkward. And like, I think you, I mean, would you just say that when you and and John are trying new things that you're just like going with the flow, like you're, you're like, talk about that a little. Yeah, definitely. And we've done some, you know, we've done stuff where like, la- we end up laughing through it. We're like, okay, <laughs> we're never ever going to try that again or do that again or say that again. Um, and so it, you know, there's times where it's a big old fail, but it's, you have to, you have to know that in the context of marriage, you have to have that freedom to explore. And so even just asking your spouse, what's your favorite way to be kissed? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't even basic communication on those things. What's your favorite way to be touched? We think, you know, well, you know, we think, oh, he wants me to touch him here. And maybe he really likes his lower back touched. I, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. saying that I have no idea, but we communicating those things. Like what is an ideal night for you? What does it look like? Um, are you a microwave or are you a crock pot? Meaning do you need, mm-hmm. can you just get right in the mood or do you need me to warm up to you? Those are things that even as you grow in your marriage, communicating about those gives you a more satisfying sex life. Cause you know, then what the other person needs, what their wants are and how to um, accommodate them. And I will tell you when ki- kids were little, again, things do change as they get older. Um, for, you know, of course our house is kind of tiny, so we, we have to be careful now because <laughs> the kids know what's going, they know there's things that can happen, uh, cause they're very aware of, of what sex is, at least our older two are. We've tried to be very honest with them, not mm-hmm. about us personally, but what is it and answer their questions age appropriately. Um, because we do want them to see that it's a good gift and it can be enjoyed. And I think that that mindset alone, especially I find women of faith, of Christian women, is it's hard to let go of that as we think, mm-hmm. well, it has to be this way and we can't have fun with it. And like, I can't really fully enjoy it. I can't fully give myself to it because then I'm a naughty girl. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of going to give a little spoiler for one of our YouTube episodes, but for our 15th anniversary, I did a boudoir photo shoot for my husband. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, girl. So, yeah. We're not going to show any of the photos. Those are strictly for John, but I share the process of what that was like to go and experience that. I almost had a panic attack on the way mm-hmm. there. I had my hair and makeup done by a professional. It was professional lighting, professional photography, and it looked like something from a magazine when we were done with it. And so I realized like, it's so easy to compare what we think these women are really looking like, but they've gone through hours of makeup and hair and right lighting and right, you know, Mm -hmm. um, airbrushing and all of those things. So we can't compare ourselves because you can go and take photos of yourself with the right person, with the right makeup artist, and you're going to look like women in those catalogs. That's awesome. Now, one thing I wanted to back up to is I've talked about, you know, the idea of scheduling sex before, and especially with little kids, it's almost necessary, right? Because before you know it, oh my gosh, 
there's been too much time that's gone by or the children aren't sleeping, they're waking up at night. And, you know, maybe I've shared that with my friends and I get a lot of eye rolls or a lot of like, oh my gosh, let's talk about like the practicalities and like why it is good to put sex on the schedule. Well, I think for one is it mentally prepares us. We know it's coming. We can think about it. We can plan for it. Maybe we can plan something new or something, try something different. Um, One thing that we've done is we've given each other like $2 to go into the dollar store and find something fun. For the bedroom. Okay. I mean, I came out with light sticks. Like I was like, I don't know what to get. So like we had glowing light sticks all around the room. So something simple like that, when it's prepared or thought about, you can actually make plans for it. Absolutely. And I do think with kids, we can say, okay, yes, this week we're going to get it done. But then Monday rolls into Tuesday and Tuesday rolls into Thursday. And before you know it, you're at the end of the week, you know, I know Wednesday exists, but uh, Tuesday to Wednesday, <laughs> you know, by the end of the week, you're like, oh, we've gone all week and now we're exhausted. And Saturday, we've got a list a mile long to do. Mm-hmm. And we've got wedding to go to and a soccer game to go to, and it just never happens. And then that time gets longer and spread out. So we've always been advocates of if you're busy, schedule it. If it sounds unromantic, then it's up to you to make it romantic as a scheduled activity between you and your husband. Heather, what is one of your favorite things about John? Something that you just truly appreciate and you try to um, let him know. Mm. John is incredibly teachable, incredibly teachable. And I have found that that humility of a teachable spirit is so beautiful and it's gorgeous. I hope he, I I always tell him, I want the boys to learn that to be teachable. It's so easy to feel like our way is the right way or how we've figured it out is how it's supposed to be. And John is an incredibly teachable man and that makes him so humble. And, um, I love that aspect of him and I let him know all the time. Mm, I love that. I would have to say for, for Adam, I love that he is, so steady mm-hmm. and kind. Mm-hmm. And he always believes in my best intentions. It's mm, wonderful. Right? He he just never he's never accusatory. He just always believes the best of me. That's amazing. That's awesome. I love that. All right, Heather, what are you listening to or reading that is inspiring you right now? Hmm. What am I listening to? Your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. I've been listening to them. (laughs) To be honest, in these last few months, launching a new marriage platform has been very intense for us. I have not had a lot of space. Uh, The only book that I can tell you I'm reading right now is Switch On Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. It's just about your thoughts. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah. And that is just something that I, I've read it a couple of times now because your thought life is so important, but honestly, it hasn't been top on my list. Uh, just because as we've been working through learning the ins and outs of starting a YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, there's seasons like that. I'm, you know, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm doing a lot less reading and listening right now too, because I'm just digging into different projects. So, mm-hmm. all right. What was the last thing you Amazon primed? The last thing I Amazon primed, um, oh, activated charcoal. Very exciting, but we're going out of town in a couple of weeks and I'm almost out and activated charcoal is always with me. All right. Tell us why you take that with you. 
<laughs> well, if anything creeps up, uh, digestive, I, I mean, I, I love my essential oils, but activated charcoal is great for just, especially infections or those types of things. So totally. I keep food it with poisoning, me. food poisoning, those types of things. And it's always with me when I travel. Absolutely. All right, Heather, what oil have you been reaching for lately? Hmm. Actually, the, there was an oil last month that we got called Manuka. And I've actually been using that quite a bit. So me too. Yeah, I love it. I layer I it with it. rose. Oh, so do I. And Jasmine. No, yes, I love it. Yeah. I think it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's a great oil. Totally. Okay. Uh, this is a question I always ask my guests sometime during the interview. And I want to ask you, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would you tell her? And it could be your younger self last week or a long time ago. I would go back and tell my single self that waiting for marriage with John Patton is definitely worth it. Mm -hmm. Even though you feel like you're going to be an old lady when you get married is definitely worth waiting. I would have waited longer if I knew how wonderful it was. Oh, that's gorgeous. Okay. And I like to flip this one. Okay. What would you like to tell your older self? Hmm. What would I tell my future self? Mm-hmm. Don't ever get a haircut that you only, hold on. What would I tell my future self? I like the haircut. <laughs> you know how old ladies get haircuts where they have to go and get it once a week? <laughs> I think it's because they don't want to wash their hair. <laughs> I'm like, I don't ever want to be that old lady. I don't ever want to have that one haircut that you go get styled. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think I would tell my older self, uh, always learn, never think you're right, stay humble, stay teachable, and never give up the good fight. Mm, That's so good. All right, Heather, let everyone know where they can find you and how they can follow along. Well, we just launched, like I said, on September 5th, Your Marriage Mosaic on YouTube, where we're going to provide weekly shows on taking moments in your marriage. But we're also on Instagram, obviously, and we have a page on Facebook. So they can find us at those three places. um, And we would love to build a community with them as well. I will put all that in the show notes. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Loved my time with Heather. I hope to bring her on in the future. I've got some fun ideas to incorporate with Heather. Okay, friends, don't forget, next week we're taking off. So go back and listen to my old episodes if you miss your dose of Leah. I hope you have a great week. Oh, I just am so thankful that you're here with me. You take care. Move the needle somewhere. Move from surviving to thriving. Create that inspiring queendom. Really step into who you are. I believe in you. I know you can do it. Okay, I'm signing off. Bye.